Welcome to the Clovercrest Baptist Church podcast. For more information about Clovercrest Baptist Church, go to clovercrest.com.au. You know, today we continue our series on what God never said. And did you know that God never said you can't have fun in church? It's true. I hope that's not a shock to any of you here. We can have fun in church. Thanks for the game before, Michelle. Because I've got a game for us too. Now, unlike Michelle who just relied on bragging rights, I've got some incentive for people here today, okay? Now, we are going to have a game of charades. If you don't know how charades works, and I assume most of you will, but if you don't, I act something out with no um, verbal cues, okay? And you have to guess what it is. So if you want one of these little beauties here, you're going to have to be quick because they're easy clues and you're going to have to be loud so I can hear you, okay? If I can't hear you, then... So I'm sorry, too bad. Now, if you're online, you join in as well. Type it into the chat um, as we go along, as you know, think you know, uh, what I'm acting out. If you're a two-finger typer, you might want to pass the keyboard to someone else because these are going to go pretty quick. Okay, so are we ready? Here's the first clue. Really simple, going to have to be quick and loud. Elephant, I thought I heard over here somewhere. Okay. Oh, that was a good throw because I can't see. Okay. <clears throat> right. Next one. Are you ready? Here we go. Bird. All right. Same area. How's that throw? That, that wasn't bad either. Okay. I'm going to remove this because it keeps... There we go. Okay. <clears throat> okay. Third one. Are you ready? Ballerina. Ballerina. Very good. Now, was that down here? Oh, sorry. That was not so good. Your last opportunity for today. Okay. Are you ready for this one? All right. Here we go. Zombie. Over here. Who was that? Great. Zombies. Yes, did you know that zombie mythology has been around for hundreds of years, centuries? Um, and, but in the last 20 years in particular, in modern pop culture, it has exploded in popularity. Some of you might be familiar with the hit TV show, The Walking Dead. It has taken zombie apocalypse to new heights, or new depths, depending on which way you want to look at it. There have also been a number of blockbuster movies in the last uh, 20 years or so, featuring names that you might recognise. How about Brad Pitt? He starred in one of those. Or Will Smith? He, uh, he led another one of those movies. Now, I've got to tell you, I am not a horror fan. It is not a genre I am remotely interested in. If I watched anything like that, I don't think I'd sleep for a month. And I tell you that because there was one time where I played a board game. It was a, a cooperative board game, 
So we had to work together to survive the zombie apocalypse. There were no scary scenes to watch. There was no haunting music to set you on edge. There weren't even any scary pictures to look at. I dreamt about zombies, I kid you not, every night for a week after playing that board game. And it was pretty benign. So horror is not for me. But do you know what a zombie is? Do you know what the characteristics of a zombie are? Here's just a few of them. A zombie has a semblance of life, but they're actually dead. They're completely without emotion. They're fixated on eating humans. And they're mindless and thoughtless, totally without reason or self-control. And they're violent. Now, by now you're asking yourself, what on earth do zombies have to do with God never said? Because today is that God never said, it doesn't matter what I do as long as I don't hurt anyone. Well, it might surprise you to hear that the Bible tells us about zombies. There are two types of zombies in the Bible. But for now, before we get to those, I just want you to store in the back of your mind those characteristics that we just looked at just then. Now, this statement, it doesn't matter what I do as long as I don't hurt anyone, what it's really saying is, as long as I'm considered a good person, my behaviour doesn't matter. No matter who we are today, whether we've been following Jesus for decades or we're exploring faith, this is relevant for all of us because what we do matters. Now, often underlying this thinking or this statement that it doesn't matter what I do as long as I don't hurt anyone, often underlying that are misconceptions about how we get into heaven. And it's that statement, how to get into heaven, that's at the heart of those misconceptions. A common misconception is that good people go to heaven. And sitting very closely alongside that, of course, is the belief that, well, I'm a good person. Because, I mean, who's going to believe or think that their hope to get into heaven is being a good person and they don't think they're not a good person? No one's going to think that. This hope or wish, really, um, is most clearly seen and articulated at funerals. We don't often sit and think about these things, do we? But death forces us to. Death forces us to articulate what we believe. So at funerals, we commonly hear, and you may even have said things like this yourself, things like, they were a good person, or he was a top bloke, would do anything for you, he's my best mate, or she had such a gentle heart and her smile lit up the room. They're in a better place, I know they're up in heaven looking down on us now. When there's no relationship with Jesus, that's all there is to hold on to, being a good person. As long as my good outweighs my bad, my intentions are good, and most people see me as being a good person, then as long as I meet those criteria, I'm okay to do whatever I want, to live how I please. So if you are listening to this today and you have as your system of belief the idea that being good is good enough, 
then I ask you to seriously consider these two questions. First question is, how do you know if your good is good enough? And the second question is, what is the minimum standard of good that you need to meet? Well, let's have a look at what God says about this in his word. And this is where we see the first type of zombie in the Bible. Listen to how the Bible describes those who do not know God. And this is from Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 to 3. In verse 1, it says, Those who don't know God are dead in their wrongdoings. In verse 2, they're following mindlessly the ways of the world. In verse 3, they're gratifying the cravings of their flesh and following the desires of their flesh and senses. Does that sound familiar? As you think back to those characteristics of a zombie that we looked at just before? In the book of Romans, chapter 3, verse 10, it says this, There is no one righteous, not even one. Now, righteous means right before God. So no one is right before God. And in verse 23 of that same chapter, the point is pressed home. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Right there, that's the answer to the question of the minimum standard of goodness required. The glory of God is the minimum standard, and the glory of God is absolute perfection. Not me, not you, not anyone in this world can live a life of goodness that is good enough to satisfy God's standard. No one is right before God, not even one. We all fall short of God's standard of perfection. But there is hope, and this hope is in the person of Jesus. Jesus says about himself, says in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. And in John 10, 9, Jesus says, I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. Jesus, being fully God and fully man, satisfies God's standard of absolute perfection. We cannot be right before God, but Jesus is. We fall short of God's glory, but Jesus meets that standard. The only way we can come into God's presence or get into heaven is through Jesus. That's why he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and I am the gate. And it's why John writes in John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. So it does matter what we do, but not in the sense of how good we are. It matters what we do with Jesus. It matters if we believe we can be right before God on our own. It matters if we decide to come to Jesus, to enter into relationship with God through Jesus. So let me ask you again, do you have as your system of faith today the belief that your good is good enough? I invite us all to consider this question in a few moments of reflection right now. You may be a good person, or at the very least, you're not a bad person, but deep in your heart, deep in your inner self, 
Do you know if your good is up to God's standard of glory? Well, the good news is that Jesus' good is good enough for all of us. Now, for those of us who call ourselves Christians, who are followers of Jesus, this statement, how to get into heaven, that's at the heart of misconceptions we hold on to too. We can have an attitude that being saved is a one-way ticket to heaven and therefore it doesn't matter what I do in this life as long as I don't hurt anyone. We can start thinking along the lines of, I'm saved, I've accepted Jesus and he's made me right before God. I can live how I want now. This line of thought incorrectly understands what we have been saved to. The thinking behind this is that the goal is heaven that life begins when we get to heaven. But Jesus says this, I have come that they may have life and have it abundantly. This abundant life isn't waiting for us when we get to heaven. Jesus offers us abundant life now. Yes, we won't experience it in all its fullness until we stand with Jesus. But we get a taster of this abundant life this side of heaven. And that's good news, isn't it? Isn't that good news? That Jesus offers us abundant life now? So what does an abundant life look like? Two weeks ago, Michelle debunked the belief that an abundant life equals happiness and material possessions. How many of us misread an abundant life as a life of abundance of stuff? Last week, Sean Benny Babootsed the belief that we won't experience suffering. Now, if you just went, say what? Benny what? Benny Babootsed. Then you need to go back and watch Sean's message from last week. And Michelle's as well, if you missed that. Both great messages. Look them up on our Clovey online website. So if an abundant life isn't being perpetually happy, if an, an abundant life isn't having stuff, and if an abundant life isn't living an easy, comfortable life, then what is an abundant life? What does an abundant life look like? Galatians 5, verses 22 and 23, I believe, tell us, says this, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. In any situation of life that we find ourselves, no matter how terrible it is, we can still exhibit the fruit of the Spirit. In the midst of life, whatever that looks like, we can know God's love and faithfulness. We can experience and have God's joy and peace We can experience God's kindness and goodness and his gentleness. And not just experience them in our own life, we can extend them out to others as well. This is what an abundant life looks like. Now, this isn't fruit you can get by popping down to your local supermarket. No. The fruit of the Spirit, and there's our clue, isn't it? The fruit of the Spirit comes only from the Spirit of God. So as you consider what an abundant life looks like, 
How does that resonate with your life today? Are you living an abundant life full of the fruit of the Spirit? Now, don't get me wrong. It's not a perfect life. I'm not talking about living a life, never make mistakes. But are the fruit of the Spirit growing more and more in your life and becoming more and more evident? Now, as we consider that question about how does our life resonate with that, we also need to ask, what prevents us from experiencing abundant life? If the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 22 show us what a life in abundance looks like, the verses immediately before in 19 and 21 show us the opposite. I'm going to read these verses from the message paraphrase because the other translations, most of them as I looked at, they use words we're not so familiar with these today. With today. Um, they're not common usage words anymore. The message really brings it closer to home. So from verse 19, it is obvious what kind of life develops out of trying to get your own way all the time. Repetitive, loveless, cheap sex, a stinking accumulation of mental and emotional garbage. In other words, what are you feeding your mind and your emotions through what you watch, through what you listen to, and through what you read? Frenzied and joyless grabs for happiness, trinket gods, magic show religion, paranoid loneliness, cutthroat competition, all-consuming yet never satisfied wants, a brutal temper, an impotence to love or be loved, divided homes and divided lives, small-minded and lopsided pursuits, the vicious habit of depersonalizing everyone into a rival, uncontrolled and uncontrollable addictions, ugly parodies of community. I could go on. This isn't the first time I have warned you, you know. If you use your freedom this way, you will not inherit God's kingdom. Now, Paul was writing here to the churches in Galatia. So this is for those of us who call ourselves Christians. How we live matters. We can go to church tithe, participate in communion, wear a cross around our neck. We can do church and religion and think that means we can live the rest of our lives however we want. But if you are living how you want, with no regard to the Spirit of God, then Paul warns us, we definitely miss out on abundant life now. But there's potential we miss out on it altogether in eternity. You know, I've had times in my life where I've fed myself rotten food and I've missed out on abundant life. I knew it at the time because when you're there, you, you know you're not living life to the full. But it's even clearer now as I look back that I was not experiencing abundant life. I was missing out on so much more than those fleeting pleasures ever gave me. I'm still a work in progress. We all are, aren't we? But Jesus set me free from those things that promised life, but just robbed me of life. And now I'm growing in the abundant life Jesus has for me. Coming into relationship with God the Father through Jesus 
is not a license to do what we want in this life. And so that's where we see the second type of zombie described by the Bible, the Christian zombie, professing outwardly to know Jesus, but spiritually they contain none of Christ's qualities. Jesus calls out the Pharisees on this. In Matthew 23, verse 27, What sorrow awaits you, teachers of religious law and you Pharisees? Hypocrites! For you are like whitewashed tombs, beautiful on the outside, but filled on the inside with dead people's bones and all sorts of impurity. Outwardly you look like righteous people, but inwardly your hearts are filled with hypocrisy and lawlessness. Now we can often look down our noses at the Pharisees, can't we? So let's see what Jesus has to say to the church in Sardis in Revelation 3. Write this letter from verse 1. Write this letter to the angel of the church in Sardis. This is the message from the one who has the sevenfold spirit of God and the seven stars. I know all the things you do and that you have a reputation for being alive, but you are dead. Wake up! Strengthen what little remains, for even what is left is almost dead. I find that your actions do not meet the requirements of my God. So what might a Christian zombie look like? Clock on when entering church, clock off when leaving. Spiritually lethargic and sleepy. Apathetic, impervious to the needs of others. Now, this one's a current challenge for me. God's been speaking to me recently about being more hospitable and welcoming to people rather than turning away from them. You know, we saw at the start that zombies feed on flesh, but a Christian zombie feeds their flesh. Thinking back to Galatians 5, filling their life with emotional and mental garbage, cheap sexual pursuits, chasing happiness, seeing others as competition for getting what they want. Rage and anger, uncontrollable and uncontrolled addictions. As I mentioned before, I once fed my flesh. A Christian zombie goes through the motions, lost their purpose, and they're seeking the things of the world above seeking the things of God. The Bible calls that idolatry. So here's a question you may never have been asked before. Are you a Christian zombie, spiritually lifeless and dead here today? Are there ungodly desires, desires that don't come from God, desires that are about living life your way, desires that promise satisfaction but just rob you of life? Are there ungodly desires that are preventing you from knowing and living an abundant life? But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. God never said, it doesn't matter what we do as long as we don't hurt anyone. As we sit in an attitude of prayer before God, I invite you to open your heart to him. And speak to him about what is on or in your heart. 
We've seen today the Bible describe two types of zombies. Those who are dead in their wrongdoings, apart from Jesus. And those who profess to know Jesus, but the fruit of the Spirit is not evident. They have an outward form of Christianity, but inside they are cultivating the ways of the world, living for their own pleasures rather than the fruit of the Spirit. Both zombies are lifeless. One yet to know Jesus, the other yet to take hold of the fullness of life. I want to pray for you if you identify with one of these two descriptions today. If you have come to the realisation that you are not right before God on the basis of your own goodness, I invite you to reach out to Jesus now. And in your heart, tell him that you believe in him. And allow Jesus, allow Jesus to make you right before God. Confess to God that you have done stuff and thought stuff that falls short of his glory. Say sorry to God and ask for and receive his forgiveness. And just while you're doing that, just in your heart, before God, I'd like to pray for you. 